What's up, future husbands and wives? And welcome to the Dating Life Podcast. I'm Nate J. Clark, your Latter-day Saint dating coach, and I'm here to talk dating on the road to eternal marriage. Jack, so glad to have you here today, man. How are you doing? How's it going, Nate? Good. It's going awesome. Um, I'm excited to hear uh, what you've prepared to share with us, but before we dive in, um, would you just introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my name is Jack Dolan. I grew up in uh, right outside of Indianapolis, Indiana. It's a little town called Plainfield, 15, 20 minutes from downtown. Um, I moved to Utah. So I served my mission in Honduras, and then I moved to Utah to uh, get my bachelor's in Spanish and linguistics. I got two masters, two bachelor's technically. Uh, Spanish and linguistics in at BYU, um, and since then I've been having fun in the tech world. I work full time at Qualtrics. Um, I graduated with my bachelor's in 2017. I'm 31 now, which is honestly kind of crazy for me to think about. <laughs> I'm like, not in my twenties anymore. Um, I'm right and if I, if I can just pause for a second, I'm like. This year I turned 30 and I'm like, whoa, the 20s are almost over. <laughs> it's an, it's honestly an awesome time. Like even in your 30s, you just keep, it's not like there's something that dramatically changes overnight when you turn 30. Just, you just keep living and having a good life. So. I love it. <laughs> but, um, dating experience, I've dated a lot. I mean, uh, seriously dating uh, I've only really dated a few girls, like like exclusively, but at least in generally, like had a lot of seeing a lot of girls. Uh, had, not necessarily flings. I consider flings like non-committal, so like committal flings. I don't necessarily know how you would describe that. Lots of first dates, lot uh, and stuff like that. Just getting to know people. Yeah. I love it. Can you do? Do you want to share any of what you just said before we started the recording about um, I don't know what you've been thinking about lately with dating and kind of what you've been working on? Yeah. Um, so just for context, like I I work. My life is I really value relationships in my life. Um, relationships are very important to me. It's honestly how I kind of find value or find joy is who is in my life and how much time I'm spending with other people and, and socializing. So like working. So in my work, I work in consulting, like I said, having, um, having relationships and like interacting with people delivers a lot of value to me. Like thinking about working alone all day literally sounds like the worst thing ever. <laughs> so um, but no, I, something that I've just been trying to focus on is, um, I, in June, um, I'd never, I've done this previously, but in June, I, uh, started regularly seeing a therapist that has really helped me. And, and just so you know, and for anyone like looking for therapy, I would just encourage you to do your research and find someone that you feel like is on the same page as you. I looked for someone who has shared my same like religious values, which he does, 
but also like specializes in in male like relationships and helping out men like me just improve um because i feel like that's just important i only have brothers and so my relationships with men aren't the greatest i won't lie it's always like just like risen on each other and making fun of each other and stuff and so like working with a therapist has definitely helped me kind of see where i can improve and also it's just really helped out my my dating life, my perspective on my dating life, it hasn't necessarily opened up more doors and like helped me see more girls necessarily, but it's more helped me navigate the hard times and also realize, find hope in, in the future. Yeah. I love that. And like we were saying before we started the recording, we need to normalize therapy because we all need therapy like we need oxygen. (laughs) And we're going to get it from somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. Whether that's from a friend or a coach or an actual licensed therapist or a religious leader or a parent. Um, Like we're all going to get therapy of, of, of some sort from here or there. And so we can we can get rid of the stigma um, that that I think sometimes surrounds it because let's face it we're all human and therefore we all need it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's awesome. And I really I've I've always admired um, my friends and 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 even clients that that uh, are are the brave ones that are willing to go ask for help um, and that that choose to just get rid of that stigma because yeah, hopefully ultimately that's, that's what leads to, to lasting change and improvement is, is when we're brave enough to do something right. And we're brave enough to kind of face those, those, uh, yeah, those struggles that we have. And anyway, I just think that you're going to be such a great guest today, Jack, and I'm excited <laughs> to hear the, the dating principles that you've been pondering on. Let me grab my notebook. Um, yeah. Take a couple couple notes notes here i think you texted them to me but if you want to just list the principles that you were planning on sharing one more time for our listeners um yeah then you could just start by explaining the first one does that sound good yeah so um i technically there are two technically there are three but two of them really kind of go hand in hand so like i will consider them two uh first principle i really just wanted to talk about is Uh, dating someone who's divorced Mm. and kind of like my experience with it. I, I have experience with that. And so, um, and the other one, the other two, so to speak, again, they kind of go hand in hand. So first of all is like the idea of being scared of like being too picky, but also not wanting to settle as well as uh, this psychological principle called functional fixedness. Uh, I can talk a little bit about um, talk a little bit about that, but like essentially the idea of that and how it applies to dating and not being too picky and and not settling stuff like that. What's it called again? Functional fixedness. Fixedness. Essentially, it's a psychological principle where we essentially like romanticize the idea of how we should feel during certain experiences. And if like, it doesn't go a certain way or meet our expectations, it's not correct. Okay. Like, like we're fixed on it. 
Uh, exactly. It's like it has to go this way, and if it doesn't go this way, it's not correct. It's not the right way. Interesting. I'm excited to hear more about that. Um, yeah. You were planning on starting with with uh, dating someone who's divorced, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. I think that's going to be a really valuable one for a lot of our listeners too, whether they've you know been divorced or whether they mm-hmm. um, end up meeting someone who's been divorced that they want to date. I think this is going to be really applicable. So, yeah. What are your cool. thoughts there? Yeah. Um, so I'll. I'll talk a little bit about, first of all, like kind of not necessarily the secret sauce. I don't think there's any like (laughs) correct way of approaching it in any way, but, and then I'll just talk about um, like my thoughts on it as well as like my experience. So I feel like overall dating, it's, there's kind of like a two way road. Um, Well, there, there are two scenarios where when you date someone who's divorced, one is when they're divorced and don't have kids and one when they're divorced and have kids. I have only ever dated divorced with kids. So I have no opinion on what divorce without kids looks like. And honestly, the, I feel like divorce with kids without kids, you probably, it's very similar to dating someone regularly dating, dating someone who's not married. It's just, you have to understand a little more the intricacies and yeah. of their, of her experience essentially. But I, um, the most important thing that I learned, especially, um, dating, dating someone with kids is like, don't get too caught up in, uh, don't get too caught up in, trying to like get like love everyone equally Uh, for me it was like if you love mom and you come to get to know her and date her and court her and really have a good relationship with mom then everything else will work out the kids will follow along Mm. and um i know best practice is definitely if if you've never dated someone with kids make sure that you understand that like these kids are oh if if you're dating someone who has full custody or like most most custody with um of the kids that's that's a mom of course i mean these kids are looking for a father figure in their life in some way or like a consistent father figure in their life and so like best practice is always to not meet the kids right off have a solid relationship with mom i've heard like i don't think there's like an exact science to it but i i waited i i never actually met um my ex's kids just because we didn't date long enough but um i i've heard like three months basically of dating usually that's a good marker for indicator of okay maybe it's time to meet the kids yeah yeah that's interesting. And it makes a lot of sense because ultimately, you know, I think we can imagine what it would be like to be one of those kids and to be constantly meeting, you know, these different people I think would be, I don't know, I think it'd be kind of rough, especially with what you said, you know, they're, they're looking for something consistent because that's, that's what kids need and that's what they naturally look for is, is that consistency. And so, yeah, I think that's really good for people to keep in mind um, that, even even when we're excited and infatuated, right? And it and it seems like things are gonna turn out great. Um, it's it's probably best to still take ample time to to really, like you said, focus in on on the dating relationship with the person you're, yeah, that you're dating. Um, 
trusting that if that ends up actually being being a right a right thing to move forward with mm-hmm. long term, things are going to work out as far as the rest of the family goes. Yeah, because because ultimately you're going to be spending time with with your spouse, and so it just so happens that that he or she like has kids, and that's totally okay. It, like you will learn to love and care for them just as much as you do her. But I think like really, and like the order priority, she is the priority here. Cause I mean, she's the one that you're going to be having the like romantic relationship with. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, that's really good. That's really good. Um, yeah. Anything else with, with dating um, someone that's, that's been divorced? Do you think it's important yeah. to know? I think so like just to kind of delve in a little bit on my experience. So I met this girl, um, I met her on online on mutual funny enough. Um, and I say funny enough purely because like, I know I've, I actually found out recently that like, um, online dating, at least for men is kind of like designed to like fail (laughs) where uh, like lots of, I, I think like hint on hinge, they've released their like usage stats and like seven, like 70 to 75% of the users are all men and like 30, like 25 to 30% are women. Really? Yeah. Uh-huh. That's so interesting. Yeah. So guys, if you don't get as many matches as you think you should be getting, that might be an, that might be a reason why, because I know that when I was using dating apps, I often wondered like, are other guys experiencing this? Cause I don't get matches super often. Mm-hmm. But now that you bring that up, I'm like, Oh, maybe I'm normal. <laughs> Basically like, uh, and this is just a YouTube video that a friend of mine, he's a, he's a data analyst. So like he sent it to me and it was really interesting. Basically it's like the statistics are like not in your favor. Like the vast majority of the, the men on dating apps are usually the top, like, 10 to 15% of guys are getting like 70% of the interest from the girls kind of thing. But um, I met her online and we started talking. Um, We'll we'll say her name's Winifred because like (laughs) I think that was a funny name. Um, But that's not a real name. But you pick a fake name, you've got to pick a good one. You know? Yeah. I think Winifred Sanderson. Like Winifred Sanderson from Hocus Pocus. That's what I think of. So, um, so she and I, I I found out, um, really early on, um, that she had children, which wasn't a deal breaker for me. Um, she actually like, she was younger than me. I was 28 at the time. She was 27. She had four children. Um, and I won't go too much into that story, but like, I remember when I was initially dating, when I was initially courting her, it got, I had a lot of like, I felt like I needed to, there was like so much on my plate where I was like, well, I have to figure all of this out and then like actually date her. And I feel like um, along the way, I kind of learned that's not necessary. That's not what needs to happen. So I actually like, Thankfully, I had a good resource um, to this. Like, if you don't find therapy with a licensed professional, you find it somewhere else. Um, which I don't necessarily think is therapy, but it was. He was definitely someone uh, helpful that I could go ways. to. 
Yeah. Um, I went to um, an old zone leader of mine, funny enough. Actually, like my first zone leader, he had married um, a, a girl who had three kids already. And so like she had full – she had – I don't know if it's full custody, but like they saw her – they saw their dad like every other weekend. So whatever <laughs> legally that means, I don't necessarily know. Um, but I went and talked with him and I was like, I, I just hit him up and I was like, Hey, I've been seeing this mom and I'd like to get your thoughts. And he and I talked for maybe an hour and a half, two hours. And he helped, he's really the one who helped me see that like, Focusing on the relationship with the spouse is the most important thing where one, if, if you care about mom or you care about dad, everything else will just figure itself out. You'll, you'll figure it out. But like your, your first and foremost priority is figuring out dating, dating, the, um, dating the parent and then figuring the things out with the kids. Yeah. And something that like kind of something that also helped me was um, once I became interested in her and we were date and we were like exclusively dating, she was a little hesitant in exclusively dating me um, until I actually showed interest in her kids. And so what I mean by that is like, I never really talked to her about them. I didn't necessarily bring them up because like my whole mindset was learn about mom. But I mean, these kids are part of her world. They're part of her life. And so show it's definitely, it, there's a delicate balance between like, like feeling like you need to care for the kids and what you don't necessarily need to do right off the bat. But at the same time, like showing an interest in, Hey, like, what are they learning? What's going on in their lives? This, that, and the other. Because that was essentially like the tipping point. Once I started to do that, literally within 24 hours, she's like, I want to date. <laughs> so <laughs> it works. <laughs> yeah, I think that's I think that's so interesting to hear that because like you said, it's really important that we're, we're cautious and careful not to like dive in, you know, as far as meeting the kids and like, you know, developing relationships with them right off the bat. But like you said, there's a balance. There's, there's also the fact that for parents, kids are a very big percentage of what their life is. And so how are you going to get to know them and get to know what their life is like without showing an interest in, you know, at least talking about the kids? <laughs> yeah. 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 So interesting. And I love that you talked about how with that conversation with your friend, how you guys talked about, Hey, like, don't don't try to figure everything out right off the bat because mm -hmm. I feel like that's a principle for dating in general regardless of, of who you're dating and what their circumstances are I know I know at least for me and a lot of other people um, there, there can be a tendency to overanalyze every single dating relationship right mm -hmm. you go out on one or two dates and you're already like could I marry this person I need to figure this out now because there's a lot on the line here Right. I don't want to go through another breakup. <laughs> like, I've been through enough of those and I would rather just end it now if I don't see any potential. And so we like rack our brains and we're like, are there any red flags? Because if so, I want to be careful, but I don't necessarily see any. But uh, maybe, maybe I'll pray about it, you know, and just like 
God, tell me if it's wrong. Because if it's wrong, I'm going to stop asking her out right now or I'm going to stop going out with him right now, whatever mm-hmm. the case may be for whoever we're talking about. And man, that's so much pressure to put on ourselves. Mm-hmm. And pressure is poison to to relationships, right? It's like it's like you've got a little a little tiny sprout trying to grow up through the soil and you're constantly like digging around the roots like is this a good plant? Is this, mm-hmm. you know, are there roots? Is there a foundation? And I, I you know, the plant just kind of flops over and it's like, okay, I'm dead. Like, you know, too much pressure. <laughs> like, yeah. Too much overanalyzing too soon. Uh, and so I think that's a true principle that we, we need to take it one day at a time. We need to ask ourselves the question, do I like being with this person? Do I feel like, you know, do I feel like, um, I don't know. Do I feel good around them? Do I feel like I want to be, be my best self? Cool. Yeah, I do. Well, let's keep hanging out and I'll get to know you as we go. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's uh, so true. So true. I think, and honestly, like that's a really good segue into like kind of the other portion of what, kind of what I wanted to talk about was like, perfect. so uh, again, like, well, I'll talk a little bit about this and, um, then we can like think I'll talk a little bit about like functional fixedness and then like we can talk about um like settling and being too picky and um stuff so actually let me just bring up like what the actual like official definition of what functional fixedness is such a fun alliteration too you know? i know it is it sounds like something you'd hear in a, in a rap song yeah <laughs> uh so functional fixedness in psychology is a type of uh cognitive bias that blocks people's ability to use an object for something other than what it should be used for uh so basically it's like dating is to get me married and therefore like i can only use dating in a marriage scenario i can't use it at all like in any other way it has to get me married (laughs) or like i i can't think of like any other like like for the for the purpose of this podcast that's literally what it is it's like and if dating is not to get me married then like i do not use it in any other way or like uh probably a better way of thinking about it because i this is just something living in living in Utah Valley that I've kind of seen is like having relationships with the opposite sex is to get me married. And so any kind of relationship outside of that, like does not make sense to me. And I'm like, I think that's stupid. So (laughs) (laughs) I won't go too much into that. Um, And so like, this is something, again, uh, something that I learned recently um, was that like, I have some, pretty perfectionistic tendencies that like I'm trying to like work through and process, especially with dating. Um, and basically how functional fixedness works here is like my idea of like dating was always, um, how do I say this? It, it, it's basically like, unless I feel this way, like how, like I was using my emotions and my like perfectionism to think, okay, I have to feel this way and it has to go, dating has to go this way in order for it to be correct or in order for me to like be successful 
in like creating a relationship here. And I think something that I just realized is, and again, like something that like my therapist helped me, helped me realize is everyone is different. And so the idea that like, in order for like relationships, they always have to go a certain way in order for you to feel good about them is not, it's, it's a total, like, I will be let, you'll be let down over and over and over again. There will be a lot of heartbreak because, or a lot of indecision where like there could have been something because like, if X doesn't like go this way, then like, I'm not going to be happy kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can I speak to the whole purpose of dating thing for a second? Yeah. And the, I, man, I feel like I, I feel like you're describing most of my dating journey, like, <laughs> <laughs> especially for the first several years of like going on at least one date a week, sometimes up to four. I was so hyper focused on date to marry right? That's what it's for. And if, mm-hmm. if it's not working, then I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> that is so me for so long. Oh, and it finally came down to me asking God, like, why do you keep helping me feel good about heading into these dating relationships when I end up not feeling like it's right to pursue marriage with these, with these girls? I'm sick of the painful dead ends. Like, what's going on? Like, why why do you keep doing that? And the answer that came to my mind and heart as I was kind of pondering on this and praying about it was, Nate, because for you, dating is the perfect school to learn Christ-like attributes. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, I was humbled. I was like, that's a high priority (laughs) to learn Christ-like attributes. Like, and I went from so frustrated to so grateful that God had been teaching me patience and forgiveness and kindness and clear, respectful communication and, you know, so many different Christ-like attributes. And, um, and I started to just be grateful for those lessons he was, he was offering me. But when it comes to the other aspect of friendship, man, like so many good friendships for me have come from, I'm, I'm sure you're the same. So many good friendships have come from dating where you go on a couple dates and you're both kind of on the same page where you're like, oh, I don't necessarily see it going somewhere romantically, but you're awesome. We should keep hanging out. Like I'm inviting you to stuff, you know, and like it's, it's crazy how many solid friendships can come from the context of asking someone out on a date. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's, I, I feel like too many people kind of cut their legs off from under them, or it, I don't know, like the, the best um, way to describe it, but it's like, they can't have, uh, like they're too, they're only too like my relationship with the opposite sex is romantic or pure friendship. And like, that's it. And it's just like, it's okay if things human relationships are messy. It's just how they are. Like you ha- and so like if you date someone and like you were saying, if you were dating someone and then you're just not as like romantically interested, but you still want to spend time with them because like they're a great person. I f- you need to like be okay giving yourself some space to figure that out because having good people in your corner is wonderful. 
and the purpose of life, in my opinion. Absolutely. Um, and it's interesting because I still believe that dating, like the ultimate goal of dating is, is to be married, right? But to think that that's the only goal or that's the only good that can come from it or that's, that's all that God has in mind, you know, that's the only purpose of dating, I think is pretty myopic. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and and if that's all we're focused on, it's, you know, it's going to be, like you said, a more painful journey. An analogy I used to like to use is if you're going on a hike and you're trailblazing, so there's no trail, you want to get to the summit, right? And the summit is marriage. But if you only focus on the summit, you're going to run into trees and boulders and bushes and rocks, and you're going to get cut up and bloodied and have pain the whole way. <laughs> Mm -hmm. But if we slow down and take a minute to like look and see where we're going and enjoy the beauty of each vista and like, you know, the, the challenge of like crawling over each boulder and going around each tree. And like if we if we take time to slow down and enjoy the different pieces of that journey and like the blessings God's giving us, not only is it going to be less painful and frustrating, but we're probably going to arrive at the summit a little bit quicker um, than we would have otherwise, because we're finding, you know, a path of, of less, less resistance, if you will, I guess. Um, does that analogy make sense at all? Yeah. If you're so focused on getting to the top, like, I mean, you like have to get through like ravines and weeds and it's like, what if there's a path of poison ivy along the way? And it's like, you're not going to go straight through the poison ivy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So anyway, that helped me a lot to just kind of calm down and like be a little bit more chill and just trust that I could get glance up at the top occasionally, but trust that I would get there if I kept, you know, kind of heading that way and enjoying the journey as I went. Yeah. yeah. Cool. An experience that I had with like this um, functional fixedness and dating and kind of how I found myself feel like, well, it's not going this exact way or this previous relationship isn't going like the way that I felt with other relationships, but being okay and kind of pushing forward and realizing that like the, the big deals I was making were not actually big deals. It's we'll figure it out. You can cross that bridge. Don't worry about it right now. Kind of thing. Yeah. yeah we get ahead of ourselves so often, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> And, and I feel like that kind of segues into the idea of, um, of this, like not wanting to settle versus, um, being too picky. Like, I feel like I kind of dealt with being too picky, um, earlier on in my dating life. Um, it was always like, oh, well, like. I, I've never been one that like I've never been one that I've dated like oh she has to like be this height or like look like this or it's it sort of set like rigid like she has to be this way I've never and I feel like honestly that's good <laughs> it's been very helpful for me it's not put me in some box um, but at the same time I think like we have to, I feel like it's important to kind of define what being picky and being and settling are like yeah. to me, settling means that there are clear, like 
issue there are clear things that you were not willing like you that there are clear compatibility issues between you and your partner that you are not willing to work through and therefore or address and you're just gonna it's like it's just there and i'm not gonna worry about it like a good example is like yeah red flags like politically for example like if um if you're not willing to talk to your partner about your political views because of how you fear how they will see your views, I think that's a huge problem. I feel like that is a really good example of settling where it's like, oh, like, oh, he plays video games all day. Oh, uh, we'll work through that. That's okay. Kind of thing where it's not necessarily a bad thing, but at the same time, your inability or your unwillingness to talk to them about this thing and how it makes you feel or maybe even like your unwillingness to compromise. I think that's a really, that kind of shows where you are in the relationship is that you don't trust each other. Plain and simple. You don't trust him to react in a healthy and positive way and in a, an empathetic way to your concerns about one of his hobbies. And vice versa. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Really, there should be conversations surrounding, you know, reason things that you feel like would, would mean settling. Mm-hmm. There really should be. Because, like, everyone wants to feel like they can be themselves in their relationships. And so, like, settling, again, these red flags, it's, Oh, well, like, that's a big red flag, but I'm not going to worry about it, like, or I'm not going to talk about it. I think settling to me is moving forward in a serious relationship without addressing the red flags that you see. Yeah. And Plain and finding a place where you both feel good about moving forward with those specific mm-hmm. red flags. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think a really critical piece of settling and like being too picky is that way too many people feel like they need a decision on those way too early. I think we've kind of like already been talking about that, but it's like you've gone on two dates and you're like, oh, well, like I'm too picky or like he does this, that or the other. It's like, don't feel like you need to talk about the red flags or the concerns that you have right off the bat. There's a time and play. I mean, Ecclesiastes talks about there's a season for everything. Mm. And it's just like, I feel like you do need to talk to that. You need, you need to be willing to talk about them at the same time. Is it really, uh, you need to ask yourself, should I talk about this right now? Is this some, are we pro, like mature enough in this relationship for me to talk about this? Or do I need to wait a little? Yeah. Yeah. Here's here's a question for you, Jack. Yeah. What do you feel like what do you feel like are some pretty big red flags in general? If if there was just a couple red flags to where you're like, okay, that's a big thing that I think people should be aware of. What do you think some of those cuz obviously it's going to be slightly different for everyone, but I mm-hmm. think like there's probably at least a few general big ones that are probably going to be red flags for most of our listeners, you know especially those that are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and yeah. wanting a temple marriage. I think first and foremost, um, 
I think this is more comes from like personal preference, but I think it, it, it's shared um, generally is like how they honor their covenants. Um, specifically, these are like temple covenants, regular covenants. Basically, do they have? Uh, how is their relationship with the Lord, and how important is that relationship? I've talked with girls and guys, and how they like prioritize their relationship to me, I feel like truly shows how committed they would be to a, a temple marriage in general. Um, some good examples of that are like, do they, do they work to try and understand, like, do they set additional, like, um, not necessarily restrictions, but like, do they listen to the spirit of the law? Like a good example I always think of personally is like, to me, there are certain, like there's certain media that I just won't consume. Like most of it has to deal with like movies with lots of like sexualized content. I just do not like watching any of that, even though like, like a really good example that I always think of is like game of Thrones. I've never seen game of Thrones. I've heard the story is great and it's very like kind of edge of your seat, but I also know like it's very sexual and just not something that I want to spend time or energy, like time, my time or energy on because I know how it would affect me and make me feel based on like the things that I struggle with. And so like, I feel like that's a really good example of, Oh, like of, or a healthy way of viewing your covenants where it's like explicitly doesn't say in like the scriptures or anything. Oh, don't watch game of Thrones, but you're able to be in tune with like your own spirituality and understand that like that thing is a struggle for you and you want to avoid it. Yeah. Wow. So many things you said, I feel like are so good. What came to mind is the fact that my parents have been married for over 40 years, mm-hmm. happily married, nine kids, 20 plus grandkids, and they're pretty different individuals. Like there's very little that, that they like doing together. Mm-hmm. Um, their personalities are really different. Like my dad's really, really funny. And we, a lot of us kids got his like kind of I don't know, mischievous, like silly sense of humor. Mm -hmm. And my mom has just kind of rolled her eyes their entire marriage. (laughs) She doesn't actually find a lot of those jokes funny, but she's just like, I don't know. She, she, she loves that there's humor in in the household nonetheless. Right. And so now that I, now that I say all of that, I, I tell you when I, I interviewed my parents about their relationship for one of my, one of my projects when I was in college and they told me they were like, one of the biggest things, probably the, the biggest thing that has kept us together this long is that we are both, we, we're both all in when it comes to keeping our covenants. And we knew that from the start. We prayed to see if God approved of the idea of getting married. We both got a confirmation that it was um, something he approved of. And we both knew that we wanted to keep our covenants fully and completely. And they're like, and that's really all that's mattered. Everything else, we've been able to figure things out, even though there's a lot of things that, you know, don't jive when it comes to personality and, mm-hmm. you know, different things like that. They've they've worked through things and they've had a very happy marriage. And so I just, yeah, I want to I wanna support what you just said as that being a really high priority because 
ultimately your core beliefs and your, you know, the direction you're heading are wrapped up in, in the covenant path when, when that's what your goal is. And, and those things need to be compatible in order to have a healthy marriage. And, and I also love that you talked about communication, being willing to talk about things that could, could be red flags, because ultimately if someone's unwilling to talk to me, that's one of the biggest red flags because how, how else are you going to work through things? Like marriage is hard conversations half the time. You know what I mean? That's what keeps it alive and healthy and positive and like promotes connection, that deep connection we all long for. So yeah, I just want to, I want to say that everything you just shared, man, is spot on. I feel like those are such important things for us to prioritize in what we're looking for. Yeah. And I think like ultimately it's just, again, the willingness to like to improve and take care of themselves. Like whether that's, I think that's like a big red flag that a lot of people don't necessarily think is a red flag, but I think it is, is their willingness to seek help and be, be, be help, like go out and maybe they need some mental health, um, uh, help or assistance. Maybe they need to start working with a personal trainer to improve their physical health. Maybe they need to see, like maybe you and her or need to go see like a therapist together and kind of do some couples therapy. I, I think the most important thing is like essentially kind of what you talked about with your parents being in it, in it together, being on the journey and being willing to go through the journeys and not being, I guess like really a way to think about this is like, how selfish are they? If they're really selfish, I think, I don't think that's a good thing. Like trying to focus, Oh, well, what's in it for me or what's in it for blah, blah, blah. Like being able to take a step back and think I've created this relationship with this man or woman. And I am all in on this relationship. How can I better myself to be a better partner for him or her? And how can, how can I communicate some things that might be harmful that she or he do to me? And let's talk about these things, like being willing to communicate and also really be committed to the relationship in general, you two as partners. Yeah, man, so, so good. I feel like these are... You know, really, I, I'm, I'm of the opinion, Jack, that the reason the top pick whenever I do a survey for people, the reason the top pick with the biggest, um, as the biggest struggle singles are going through is worrying they're too picky, but not wanting to settle. The reason I think that's the most popular is because I think oftentimes while we're single, we don't sit down and actually like figure out, okay, what are my highest priorities? What actually matters, right? We've just hit on two really important ones. Like if we're both fully committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have the same destination and therefore we'll, we'll, we'll stay on the same path. We'll stay together, right? But if we're not, then it's very likely our paths are going to diverge eventually because we have different destinations, Yeah. right? And then that communication thing as well, like how are you going to continue to yeah, work through the the different bumps and challenges and 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 things without being able to get on the same page. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I had a really good example of this in my dating life. This was 
uh, soon after I graduated from college. We'll call her Bertha because I think that's also a funny name. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like if I knew then what I knew now, kind of like I, I feel like I'm similar like you, Nate, where it's like dating is the perfect school for me to learn who I am and how to become a better person. <laughs> um, I feel like if I knew now what I knew then, like we might be married. I don't actually know. That clearly didn't happen. She's married to a great guy right now. But like, I feel like at the time I was a little too over analytic and a little too focused on, oh, well, like I have to be totally like into her and how I feel about her physically. Which, don't get me wrong, I mean, like, physical attraction is a very, it's an important thing, but I also didn't really see anything else. She was a great communicator. I didn't see the value in that she was a great communicator. She honored her covenants. She cared. She was a caring person. And so, like, that didn't hold as much weight in me at the time. And so, like, I've, I feel like at the time I was too picky in that, oh, well, like, I'm not into you as into you as I want to be, like, in a girl or, like, into you physically enough. And so, like, I'm not going to date you. And looking back, I feel like I my, my priorities are more, not necessarily changed, but, like, I feel like I care, I understand a little bit more the importance of certain priorities in my life. And being able to see that, I mean, yes, I was physically attracted to her. That was one thing. But, like, she also was a caring person. She communicated. She honored her covenants. All of those things I was able to, I feel like those would carry a lot more value for me mm. now because they are very valuable. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought this up, Jack, because... Physical attraction is something that we're constantly being fed messages about from the mm -hmm. media, right? Um, and I think one of the traps I fell into when I was single was, you know, I think I think because some of the terminology out there, like, oh, this girl's a five or, you know, attractiveness, she's a she's an eight or this girl's a ten, right? I think sometimes, especially as guys, we kind of start to subconsciously like rate how attractive we are to a girl. Mm -hmm. start to think that we have to be a 10 out of 10, 100% attracted to this girl in order to marry her. And that's a lie. Absolutely a lie. It, it's also a lie that you, you know, that it's a good idea to marry someone that you're not physically attracted to. That's yes. a lie as well. But what, what I came down to after, after kind of realizing that I was stuck in that trap was, oh, the only priority here is that I think she's pretty and I'm sexually attracted to her. Boom. Like, it doesn't necessarily matter if, you know, if it's not like, oh, a 10 out of 10, you know, it's, it's equivalent to the most attractive, attracted I've ever felt to someone. That doesn't matter, and I'll tell you why. The reason is that we're human and we constantly change and we look different depending on our circumstances, the clothes we wear, you know, whether, whether a wife is pregnant or not, whether um, it's winter or summer, whether it's you know, age plays a big role. Um, we all get acne sometimes. So really, it, we having a 10 out of 10 is, I don't think it should be a priority. I think we should have a, a balanced like, yes, I think she's beautiful. Or yes, I think he's attractive, a, 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 attractive, he takes good care of himself. And yes, I'm sexually attracted to them. 
really i think that's all would you agree <laughs> i i would wholeheartedly agree because like attraction again like is kind of like a day-by-day thing where it's like some days she'll wear something we're like okay dang girl you looking good and there are other days we're just like yeah you're attractive but it's not like like call my attention and and i think that's a very unfair a very unfair re- uh, like expectation to set where it's like oh well like you always have to look good for me and it's like no like you don't always have to look good for your partner as long as you feel like you look good i mean i kind of set it where like do i look how i look today then who cares like she will probably like how i look too or he will probably care how i look too like too it, ultimately it's it's a day-by-day thing and there are days where essentially like thinking about like all of the different lovers and everything for like a relationship there's some days where like something will take precedence or like be more important to you than like attraction and there's other days where attraction is higher than other things yeah but i i think i think one of the pitfalls we fall into is thinking that you know they need to like look a certain way certain hair color right certain Mm -hmm. style certain this or that when all i i really this is the opinion of nate all i really think are are those two things do you find them like you know do do they do they look pretty to you or look attractive to you and are you sexually attracted because both of those are really important in marriage and if you have both those things like you're gonna be just fine yeah (laughs) You're, you're gonna have a wonderful marriage as long as the other high priorities you know are there for your relationship as well so yeah i think that's a really good one to address just like i said because of because of how hard um satan's trying through through the media to convince us that's the most important thing and that's what makes you lovable and you have to be at a 10 out of 10 and it's like no that's not true (laughs) Mm -hmm. i firsthand wholeheartedly agree no that like that's not how it is and i mean there are things where like i've had plenty of experiences with girls where like I have been so much more attracted to them when they've been like vul- like emotionally vulnerable with me than like anything I've fe- like seen them wear. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so much more attractive. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? How yeah, feeling connected to someone emotionally can actually increase like ten times. Yeah, and that's if if that's true for you know for us as as males with some of the experiences we've had connecting with girls. Um, I, I felt that a lot with my wife when we started dating exclusively and some of the vulnerable conversations, like I felt so connected and all of a sudden there's even more physical attraction there. Mm-hmm. If that's true for us as males. Think about how much more true it is for females who in general are, um, are more inclined to need emotional before they feel the physical attraction. Yeah. Right. So I think it's I think it's good that God's given us a little bit of that as males, so that we can understand that it's even more so for for girls most of the time when it comes yeah. to needing that emotional attraction and connection first in order to feel an increase of, of physical attraction. So, yeah. man, these are such good things. Is there any last words of wisdom you want to share with our listeners, Jack, before we wrap things up? Yeah, I, I guess like ultimately. I think the most important thing is to give everyone a chance, like. I think I I say this mostly for girls because like I tend to like because I only date girls and like I only have one side of the conversation again like 
I mean, I guess like I do like talk with my friend, my guy friends and everything, but like, I feel like with girls, there's like this height, especially like maybe it's more in the church. Maybe it's not. Um, but like this hyper like necessity to know, oh, like I need to like date, like I need to be willing to like marry this person after like one or two dates. That's absolutely not the case. I think you just need to focus on how do you feel? Are you safe? Are you cared for? And if it takes like five or six dates or something for you to feel something, I think that's okay. You need to be okay with that being okay. It doesn't have to be this efficient. Dating is not the most efficient process in any way, shape, or form <laughs> at all. But you also need to be okay, like taking the steps and going through the motions and being vulnerable. I understand everyone goes through trauma. I mean, like I've been through plenty of stuff, but it's like things will be okay in the end. And you should be okay being yourself and taking a risk. I love that. It's yeah. So true. Just to support what you just said. Um, yeah, I think the only real big question we should be asking people is, do I want to continue to spend time with this person? Simple as that. <laughs> like, I think that's the initial question we should ask for the first several dates. And if the answer continues to be yes, we'll learn the other important things as we go along. And like you said, things all being worth it in the end. Can I just say that it is? <laughs> and and I, I, I once dated um, this girl that was a relative of an apostle. And this apostle told her when she was dating, he was like, you know that longing you feel for companionship while you're dating? You just yearn to like have someone, have your person, as some people say it. She was like, yeah. And he's like, that completely goes away when you marry a, a good fit in the temple. Like that, com that's gone. And, and I was like, really? She's like, that's what he said. Anyway, after I got married, I, I realized what he meant because ultimately, um, you know how when you learn something – you kind of forget what it's like not to know it. Mm -hmm. It's the same with marriage. You get married and you kind of forget like what it's like to feel that yearning because it's been filled. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, like there's the, it's, it's such a blessing. It's such a miracle given by God that that yearning we have for companionship. Um, and you know, that kind of that loneliness can just go away to the point to where we kind of forget it ever existed. Um, so I, I love what you said. It will be worth it, you know, no matter how long or hard the road. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm just grateful for you, Jack. Thanks for, for being willing to, to help people today by sharing the lessons God's blessed you um, to learn and, and the principles that you've, you've shared with us today. Oh, I love it. Like, absolutely. I love this kind of stuff. So Okay, my friends, thanks for tuning in. Be sure to check out more of my content and services at natejclark.podia, that's P-O-D-I-A.com. And I'll catch you next time.